0: This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Hello, and welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. My name is Austin, also known as Teacup.
1: And my name is Shelby, also known as Cup.
0: Join us as we embark on unraveling all of your favorite mysteries from the Assassin's Creed universe, from Assassins to Templars to the mysterious Isu and more. We will seek to uncover it all, so join us and maybe even take a leap of faith.
1: Hello and welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. My name is Shelby, or She-Cup, and I am one of the co-hosts for this show, and I'm joined here by my other co-hosts.
0: Hi, I'm Austin, also known as Teacup.
1: Yeah, so Austin um, slash Teacup, we have a guest today with us, right?
0: We do. So today we have with us to come and talk about Ezio, our part two. So our last episode, we basically did Ezio through most of Assassin's Creed 2. And so we're going to continue that. But we have with us Chris from the Scholars of the Creed Hey, Chris, how you doing? Hi, guys. What's up? Good to be here. So thanks for uh, being here. We're glad to have you on the show and doing that. Uh, We ask all our guests this uh, just general question. What got you into Assassin's Creed and what keeps you coming back to the series? (sighs) That's a hard one. Um, To be honest, what got
2: me into it was a long time ago when the first one came out. I'd never heard of it. I was around a friend's house and he's put it on. I was like, what is this? (laughs) And then I just instantly fell in love. And then I played them pretty much every time they came out up until AC4. And it was just because of personal life, ended up not playing it for a couple of years. And then I came back and then fell in love all over again.
0: So, like, I guess with a a kind of follow up question, what what is like your favorite part like initially drawing you into the series was it the gameplay the story something like that honestly I think it was the parkour (laughs) because at the time
2: (laughs) I hadn't really seen anything like that in games like I played Tenshu when I was a kid and that Hmm. was like running about on top of buildings and stuff and I always thought it was really cool and then just playing Assassin's Creed 1 and 2 and that happening all over again I was like yeah this was really cool but then when I started to understand what the story was about, that's what really kept me coming back.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, For me, and I've said this before, one thing that gets me in thing is a lot of the accuracy, especially in the early games, like accuracy to the time of that time period really drew me. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like an interesting take, but like, there's still this really like historically accurate Things that are happening around you.
2: Yeah, yeah. I was watching one of your other podcasts, and you were some. I think it was one of your guests said about all the targets in Assassin's Creed One being real people and them dying that exact way.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah, I mean that actually happens quite a lot through Assassin's Creed games. It's really interesting.
0: Yeah, it is very interesting. So I think we'll just start in. So just a recap of what we covered last time. We basically covered Ezio's birth through his uh, journey through taking on the Potsy and then the Bombardigos and finding the apple and getting inducted into the assassin order. And so we pick up with Ezio when we do this. Um, Ezio, Mario, and Machiavelli go to visit Leonardo's shop um, to see if this inventor can tell them what this apple is to kind of figure out what it's going. And so Leonardo tells them that the apple should not exist. Like the metal is not something they've encountered before um, and that it's highly advanced. And so they decide that they need to hide the apple. So Machiavelli states he wants to hide the apple in Florida, where the assassin ally, Caterina Sforza would protect it. So naturally our boy Ezio here gets real excited to go see Katerina again. Um, And so Ezio signs up to go do all of that. Machiavelli and Ezio travel to Flory when they meet Katerina outside the city. Katerina reveals that she killed her husband, uh, who was a Templar puppet, who also created a map to find the codex pages. While While this meeting is going on, Flory is invaded and captured by the Orsi brothers, who were the mercenaries that she hired to kill her husband, and thereafter the Codex map. So Ezio then assists Katarina in taking back Flory and protecting the Codex map. However, this resulting fight would wound Ezio and would result in him losing the apple to the nine-fingered monk. So this particular story was DLC for Assassin's Creed 2. And I had never played it until I had gotten the Ezio, the Ezio trilogy pack where it was included. Otherwise, if you don't have that DLC and you play the game, you get this little scene where Rebecca and Sean are basically talking over you. And you learn that uh, Rodrigo Borgia had become the Pope. And all of this stuff that had happened. And you basically now have a codex map. But you you weren't told anything of how you got that. So this DLC is how that happened. So if you want this story more in detail, go back and play the Ezio Trilogy or somewhere else. uh, You can get it on every gaming platform, even the Nintendo Switch. So you can go and play that and steal with that. Um, I will also warn you that the entire DLC is some of the hardest missions in the entire game.
1: Yeah, I remember when I was playing that DLC, or I I don't even remember if I finished all of that, but um, I had taken a break. Like, we I think we had gone on vacation or something, and I came back, and I was like, oh, my God, why is it so hard? It was very difficult. Um, But I was going to ask you, Austin, is this where Katarina like where they threaten to kidnap her children and she like lifts up her dress and it's like well i can just make more children if i want to.
0: Yes, this is exactly that DLC.
1: <laughs> that that was iconic.
2: Yeah, i found it uh, strange that they chose to make like that part of the game DLC. Like just take a section out of like not the middle but i mean the last last quarter of the game and then just use it in DLC, so when you actually play the game now in the Excel collection, it just makes so much more sense. <laughs> it <Yeah>. really does.
1: <laughs> and I was going to add, like, it makes no sense to me why game companies do this. Like it's a really important part of the game. And I mean, I'm just thinking about other DLCs from other companies like, you know, Dragon Age Inquisition. I always have to plug Bioware, but Dragon Age Inquisition's DLC Trespasser is literally the ending to the game. Mass Effect three has a DLC for Leviathan, uh, Leviathan, which explains like the origin of, of the Reapers that you're fighting. And so I'm like, I know, I know they want to make money. Like, I know that's the primary motivator, but I don't know. Like, doesn't it diminish the story for the people who can't afford the DLC?
0: Yeah, I would argue. Yeah, yeah, I would say so.
2: I mean, play devil's advocate, I guess that section of the game isn't too important, I guess, to the overall story. But still, it's still part of the story. So.
0: Well, absolutely. It makes sense, like, without that, it's hard to really, like, jump into AC Brotherhood and realize, like, why Katarina is there at the villa. And this kind of just adds and explains that. I don't think it's necessarily taking away from the story, but enhances Mm -hmm. the story a lot. Mm -hmm. That's fair. So, Ezio does not... Find the apple right away. I mean, if you play this DLC, it's like right after one, is like, okay, I gotta find the nine-fingered monk and I gotta get the apple back. But no, there is a detour. Ezio actually goes to Spain before he ever returns to Florence to try to find the nine-fingered monk and retrieve the apple. So Ezio still longing for his vengeance against Rodrigo and laments that he lost the apple. Uh He goes to Spain because he decides, since he can't find the apple and he can't strike at the Pope, that he's just going to pull all of his uh, energy into building up the Assassin's Brotherhood. And so his duties eventually do take him to Spain to help the Spanish Brotherhood fight against the Spanish Inquisition, uh, even attempting to assassinate the lead Inquisitor himself. Uh, however, Ezio lets him go as he claims to know nothing of Templar plots, uh, which was a lie. He definitely did. And if you want more of this story, we go into it in our episode on the Spanish Inquisition. That's way back in season one. But you can go and talk about that. And we also you can also get the Spanish Inquisition story a little bit in the Assassin's Creed movie. It's covered there. But so Ezio does take a little trip to Spain to help the Spanish Brotherhood before he then returns to Florence. And in his efforts to track down the apple and the nine finger monk, Ezio tracks the monk to Florence, uh, where the monk is using the apple to enslave the people there. So then Ezio would hunt down the monk's lieutenants and free the people from the monk's control. Ezio would then assassinate the monk and take the apple back for the assassins. These are absolutely the hardest missions in the game, even in the DLC, because this is also part of the DLC. Um, There is one particular that I'm sure a lot of Assassin's Creed fans will remember, but it is on a boat and you have to remain undetected while assassinating a ship captain. And... There are a lot of guards, and it's a very small area.
2: Yeah, I remember that. It was not fun.
0: They also introduced this new mechanic in there where you, like, run up on a, like, special, like, a viewpoint thing that, like, springs you forward. I never, (laughs) I can never figure out how to do that.
2: Yeah, it's so finicky, and I don't know why they added that one weird random thing in there, and they
0: never brought it back ever again, so. (laughs) No. Who knows? Mm. So then Ezio then realizes he has now has the codex map for the codex pages and he has the apple. And so he hunts them all down and he realizes that the so-called vault from the prophecy and the second piece of Eden are in Vatican city. And so with this, he sets out to the Vatican to kill Rodrigo and prevent the Templars from attaining the vault. Uh, Ezio infiltrates the city and attempts to assassinate Rodrigo during mass However, Rodrigo uses his staff to counter out, counteract Ezio's attempt, and the two fight Apple versus staff, basically. So Ezio kind of wins, kind of. He also kind of loses, and Rodrigo stabs him, and then he escapes to the vault. Uh, Ezio meets him there, where he basically engages Rodrigo into hand-to-hand combat and knocks him out. He then enters it is in this fight that Rodrigo tells him that God is in the vault and he tends to ensnare God and use his power. And so SEO enters the vault and that's where we get the visit with Minerva. And he's very confused. And who is Desmond? I don't know who that is. I have a lot of thoughts about this particular part of the game because Shelby and I had very similar um instances where you were i was sitting with you while you're playing the game and you get into the point where you infiltrate the vatican and you air assassinate rodrigo and there's the whole scene where etsy is like uh requiescent in pace you son of a bitch and rodrigo's like i don't think so and shelby with this but like what the hell which was the exact same response i had (laughs)
1: Yeah, I was definitely screaming. I was like, this is not how it goes when he says, rest in peace, they do—they de- are dead. Um, and Rodrigo's just like, nope, guess again. So it, it really threw me for a loop, for sure.
2: Yeah, I couldn't believe it when it happened. But to be honest, I almost seen it coming because by this point, actually, you said it uh, last week in the other podcast about how people – say about the other games being too long, whereas AC2 is actually a really long game. And I think yes. by this point I was like, I just want this to be over now. I just <laughs> want this guy to die.
0: So when he came back, I was like, yeah, of course. So <laughs> right. Yeah. I did say this last in the part one of this episode, but Ezio actually has the third highest uh Templar Order of Ancients kill hit, kill number. only beaten by Eivor and Cassandra
2: (laughs) that is insane well yeah
1: and when you think about like yes Assassin's Creed 2 is a huge game it's very long um but when you think about like how much bigger origin or not origins Odyssey and Valhalla are compared to two like the fact that he still, like, is close to them in, in Kill Count. Like, that's still really impressive.
2: Yeah, that is that is definitely something to be remembered for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um,
0: so, yeah, so we'll take our break real quick here to do the middle of our show, and then we'll come back with the rest of Ezio's life and AC Brotherhood and Revelation, and, yeah, we'll talk about that.
1: All right, let's get into it. Makose! SHOOT! SHOOT THE FLYING DEMON!
2: Malaka! 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 I get the sense you two are ill fit for whatever it is you're plotting.
0: <laughs> this one takes us for a fool, brother. We sons of Ragnar have this well under control. No, we do not.
2: Sons of Ragnar. I know of many, but never have I heard of dull and
1: duller all right well welcome to the middle of the show this is where we talk about all things that have to do with the assassin's creed lore cast and not necessarily the lore of assassin's creed so the first thing i have to plug is our patreon we are starting up patron episodes once per month starting in february so in just a few weeks which means that if you want to join us on the show you need to sign up really soon um you can sign up. the link is in the episode description and on our social media. You can also go directly to patreon.com slash Assassin's Creed lorecast, um, and you'll find us there. And then the other thing that I have to shout out, if you can't support us financially, is that the best way to support us otherwise is by leaving us a rating or a review. You can leave us a review with words on iTunes, or you can leave us a rating without words on Spotify. And if you leave us a rating on Spotify where you can't put words, you can also send us an email or message on um, Twitter or in Discord with some words, and we'll read that out on the show too, and so I do have one to read, and this one comes from Altair's missing ring finger. He or they are in our Discord. Great name, iconic name, um, and so they rated us on Spotify and sent us some words to read out. So I will do that now. So they said five stars. The Assassin's Creed Lorecast is my favorite podcast to listen to when I want to discover more about the AC world. Austin's knowledge about the world of Assassin's Creed makes me want to dive into deeper parts of the franchise. And Shelby talking to us about her playthrough um, brings me back to when I first played the games. Six out of five stars. Thank you so much for this awesome review. I'm so thankful that you sent us... um, That you sent us your review and not just like gave us the number on Spotify. So, Last thing I have to plug before we talk about my playthrough, very important, is that you should join our Discord server. It's called The Cups Podcasting and More. You can find the link in the episode description. I say this all the time. It's literally the best place on the Discord or on the internet. It's my favorite. We have so much fun. Um, We post a lot of memes. We talk about all kinds of video games, not just Assassin's Creed. And of course, you get to hang out with some pretty awesome people over there. So last thing before we get back to the lore is my playthrough and i have some really big news very big news i have finished assassin's creed 3 (laughs) finally it took a really long time i i don't think i was expecting that game to be that long
0: yeah it's a long one um especially like after how short brotherhood and revelation are
1: yeah Revelation especially was really short, and I totally Mm -hmm. flew through that. (laughs) Did you
0: enjoy free then?
1: Yeah, I did. I really liked it. Um, I was a history minor in college, and so my favorite time period was always like um, pre- revolution America and so I really loved that setting and just learning about all of that seeing Mm -hmm. some of the founding fathers and like Ubisoft's take on it was fun but I I know this is a hot take but I really enjoyed Connor um I I liked him a lot he I wouldn't make him I wouldn't say that he's my favorite assassin um but I really liked him a lot and I felt like I felt like he was very well portrayed as like a young person as a teenager um i think it's easy to forget that he's so young just because he doesn't look that young in the game um like when he's four, he looks like he's 12, you know? Um, and so I think it's easy to think that he's older than he is, but I have worked with teenagers in my real life job and they are indeed that angsty. Like they are. So I thought they did a really good job with that. Um I really enjoyed him. Um and I also felt like I felt like they did a really excellent job portraying the Native American tribe. Um I was really impressed with how well done that was I, I was a little skeptical and afraid that maybe it wouldn't be so well done but like they used the language of the people and um it, it was just really well done and so I really enjoyed it a lot
2: well I'm glad to hear that because Assassin's Creed 3 is my favorite one and Connor is my favorite protagonist and it has been the punch bag of the AC community for a long time. So mm-hmm. glad to hear that you like it.
1: Yeah, I'm glad uh, this timing worked out that you could like come on the show when <laughs> I finished that that game. Um, but why, why is he your favorite? What do you like about Connor?
2: <sighs> See, honestly, I don't really know. I just took to him the first time I played it. I just, I liked him as a person. I liked his Native American background and his tribe and like I said, being from Scotland, I didn't know much about American history. This game pretty much introduced me to it and wanted made me want to go and look further into it and dive deep into the history. So, yeah.
0: Hey, if there's one thing that America and the Scottish can agree on is hating the English. Ah, there we go.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So true. So true. Um, Well, I think we can get back into Ezio, unless we have other things to add for the mid-break.
0: excited to see your takes on the rest of the series, especially since, you know, you're out of the Desmond saga.
1: I'm a little sad about it. Oh, oh, this is the last thing I have before we get back to it. Uh, This might be another hot take. I don't know if this is a hot take. So I'm like halfway through Liberation already um and liberation doesn't have any modern day scenes like it doesn't have the modern day aspect at all and I enjoy it I like it um I know that the modern day stuff is important so I think I would miss it like if it wasn't there at all forever going forward but I am really enjoying liberation so that's all I got to say about that
0: so yeah we can get back into it me hey I come in peace. Why are you speaking so slow?
2: Sorry. What? Um, I, I was told
1: you could train me. No.
0: Go away! I'm not leaving! Bianca! Bianca!
2: Is everything all right?
1: What do you think? Look at this place! And poor Bianca...
2: If something's happened to her... Aha! Oh, my darling. Thank God you're all right. Ezio, meet Bianca. Bianca, Ezio.
0: Charmed. So that's the end of Assassin's Creed 2, and Assassin's Creed Brotherhood literally picks up right where it left off. Like The be- the opening scene is Ezio in the vault, screaming, who is Desmond? What's going on? He basically leaves. He attempts to escape Rome with Mario. Uh, and this is where he gives the apple to Mario, and they're t- to return to the Villa Auditori. Ezio then comes back and is greeted by his family and the other assassins as they celebrate their victory, though Machiavelli is not happy that Ezio spared Rodrigo. Again, we have a theme here with Ezio of sparing Templars, and so he's not happy, but Ezio does not care because he has a very nice time with the one and only Caterina. Well, which that,
2: um, sex scene is weirdly long.
0: I know it is. It is weirdly long, you know, and like we've now set the precedent here of because AC two also opens with like a weirdly long and interesting sex scene with uh, Christina. And so, but Ezio has that. My favorite part of this game is when you go into the modern day storyline and Desmond has to swim through the sewers and he's like, Ezio gets a bath with Katarina Sforza, and I have to send through, swim through poop.
2: (laughs) Oh, actually, now that you mentioned it, see that whole sequence of um, Desmond and Lucy running through the cave uh, underneath Mot- Motor and Johnny. Mm-hmm. I found it very cringy.
0: <laughs> the whole the whole dialogue between each other is just so weird. Right, and you know, I never like for like la- for use the internet term. I never really shipped Desmond and Lucy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I knew there was something up there the whole time. I was like, I don't right. trust
0: her. <laughs> I don't trust her. Even if you do look and sound like Chris and are Kristen Bell, I don't trust you. <laughs> so the next morning, all is not well in Italy because the Borgia show up. And so the next morning, Ezio is woken up to what he thinks is a testing of cannons, but it's actually a siege by the Borgia. Uh, led by Cesare Borgia, the son of Rodrigo, and commander of the papal armies. And so this siege basically results uh, in the destruction of all of the Altair um, gear that you worked so hard to find into, uh, the loss of all your money, and you are injured and lose a lot of your abilities. And so it also results in the death of Mario Auditori and the capture of Caterina swords, And the Apple of Eden being taken by the Borgia. All in all, a really big loss.
1: I just have to say, I was so upset when I lost all my money. (laughs) I had so many plans. I was going to renovate everything. Not really, but I was upset about it.
0: So Ezio then heads to Rome to liberate the city and retrieve back the Apple of Eden. So Ezio systematically takes down the Borgia while building up the Assassin Brotherhood in Rome. He eventually retrieves the Apple of Eden and defeats, defeats Cesare and hides the Apple in the Colosseum in Rome. Now that is a very, very brief synopsis of Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. There is a lot that happens in there and you can go play the game to experience that. But I do want to talk about like Assassin's Creed Brotherhood as a game here for a minute because it is my favorite of the Ezio trilogy and I just think, I know it got a lot of criticism but the whole introduction for of the Brotherhood and the ability to do that, I enjoyed the um, storyline with the Borgia I always say that Cesare and Lucrezia Borgia walked so Jamie and Cersei could run um uh, <laughs> There's our obligatory Game of Thrones reference. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. What are y'all's thoughts on Brotherhood?
2: I mean, I like it. I mean, I like them all. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I really like the introduction of the Assassin Brotherhood and making your wee deaf children, bringing them up nice.
1: I also really enjoyed Brotherhood. Um I go back and forth. I don't know if Brotherhood or Revelations is my favorite of the Ezio trilogy. Maybe maybe it is Brotherhood. I don't know. I can't decide. Um, there are definitely things I like about both of them. But I will say, I said this on the last episode, Ezio in Brotherhood is the most attractive of all the Ezios. Just putting that out there, in my opinion. (laughs) um, Other people can disagree if they want to, but that's my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. But I agree with y'all that I really enjoyed, like, building up your little assassin army, and um, I don't know what the move is called, where you, like, basically call them all to assist you and everyone dies instantly.
0: The Um, AeroStorm.
1: AeroStorm, thank you. Yeah, that was amazing. Loved that. Loved that so much.
2: Let me ask you this, then. What is your favorite Ezio outfit of the three then? Because I I mean, I love Brotherhood the game, but that outfit I really don't like.
0: Oh, especially like when you go in with the armor in the uh, like training thing. That's like the weird red and black armor yeah. with that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree. I don't like that. I am predisposed to the original, um, like the white one. But I also I also like the look in, in Revelations, but I agree mm. that the Brotherhood look is the worst of the three, for sure.
0: Yeah. I do like the... out Like, I like the robes without all the armor on it. Yeah. Like, it's more of a, like... It's less yeah, of, like, kind cool. of an off-white. Um, and I like that a lot. So, yeah, I also like Brotherhood. I do think Brotherhood is where we start to kind of see some like shoehorning into historical things like the whole (laughs) I'm not a huge fan of the whole like Machiavelli being like I'm gonna write a book about you and it's you being like make it short
1: well what do we think about Cesare and Lucrezia like is their relationship is that real like did that really happen I really know nothing about them at all
0: I'm not sure I know I know that there are some historical like references to the Borgia and incest, and I mean, like Rodrigo Borgia was actually Pope. I believe he's Pope Alexander the Third or something like that, and he was a Pope with children, like these were actual people. He's not the first Pope with children, but I think
2: the Rumor, I think there was rumors of incest between them but I don't know if it was ever proven but again I don't actually know a lot about the whole thing uh, right. I, I have seen people talking on Twitter recently about how the outfits were so wrong for them or something but I'm not <coughs> entirely sure <laughs> I wouldn't know
0: I think that for me at least one thing that gets me at least in the outfits and stuff is there's so much metal, especially in like Cesare's outfit and they would not have worn around that much metal all the time. Uh, But yeah, so I think with that, that's brotherhood and Ezio just kind of like continues to build up the Italian brotherhood until he basically leaves at the beginning of AC revelations. And we're not told this, but actually Ezio chooses Claudia to take over the Italian Brotherhood in his stead while he's off in the Holy Land. Which I think makes sense.
1: I mean, I think it is kind of implied, though, because he's writing all these letters to her and she's right. like updating him about what's going on. So I feel like it is implied, at least, if not outright said.
0: Right. But I think that makes sense. And I do. I wish we could get maybe a book or a comic or an offshoot of Claudia running the Italian Brotherhood. Think that would be cool. Yeah, it'd be really cool. So he discovers while he's working on building up the Italian Brotherhood more, he discovers letters from his father to his uncle that speak of a sealed library in masyaf the Library of Altair. And so Ezio then kind of gets wind that we probably need to find this before the Templars do. And so he attempts to get into the library but is captured by the Templars which that is the scene that was the advertisement for Assassin's Creed Revelation which is, that was back when they were doing like live action trailers for Assassin's Creed games and that's one of my favorite like cinematic fights from the Assassin's Creed series is Ezio uh, in Matsya
2: With the best song
0: Yes, with the best song (laughs) Uh, So he attempts to In that fight, his hidden blade is broken. His spare hidden blade, not the one from his father. Um, And he's captured by the Templars and is forced to escape. He then goes to constant. Oh, he's forced to escape. And you have, again, what is the not the worst, but the second worst carriage mini thing in the entire series. I hate Dragon on that uh, cord. Do you remember y'all remember that? it was
1: very rough i think i had to do it like seven times before i finally did it
0: not as bad as driving through the italian mountains with leonardo
2: yeah that one was probably worse
0: i'll be honest right now revelations
2: is the game i've played the least Hmm. but i did thoroughly enjoy
0: it right um i like revelations not for the Ezio story but for the altair stories Yeah. Those are my favorite parts of those games. Um,
1: I agree. It made me really, like, appreciate Altair because I really did not enjoy Assassin's Creed 1 because it was really hard for me to play, and I just... There was so much I didn't know. Uh, so I it made me like Altair a lot and learning so much more about him and his wife and just like how much he struggled after with all of the stuff that happens. It, it was just really good and I appreciated it. So that's I think that's another reason why I like Revelation.
0: Yeah. Uh, so he goes to Constantinople after escaping and he's going to track down the keys to Altair's library, uh, the Masyaf Keys. And he's greeted by Yusuf Tanzin, who is a kind of leader assassin in the uh, basically Turkish Brotherhood. And he also catches a glimpse of a pretty girl who we learn is named Sophia Sartor. And Yusuf tells Ezio of the Templar plots and their control of Constantinople. Are they? We learn that they're called the Byzantines and they're fighting for control. Uh, Ezio then works to remove the Templars from the city and does all of that. He, while doing this, he meets Sophia Sartor and she agrees to help him find the Masyaf keys. El- Ezio defeats the Templars and begins a romantic relationship with Sophia. Uh, well, I wrote my notes while well, beat the bad guy and got the girl. Ezio does it all. Sophia and Ezio then go to Masyaf and retrieve the library Uh, Though Ezio remarks that the contents are not for him and leaves while Desmond hears the message through Ezio in 2012. And that's really Revelation. And I will say this. Revelation has the funniest scene in all of Assassin's Creed. Which is Ezio is the minstrel. Oh, I love that (laughs) mention. Yes. It makes me laugh every time. (laughs)
1: It also huh. it also has one of the cutest scenes in all of Assassin's Creed. I guess I haven't played them all yet, so I haven't like I can't say that definitively, but the the quest where he goes and picks the flowers for Sophia is just so sweet and like it just shows you how much he cares about her and like yes, he's been a playboy, but he is capable obviously mm-hmm. of love too and I just think that that was so cute.
0: So, that's the end of Assassin's Creed Revelation. So we basically get his uh, end of life now is where we're going with that. And um, so Ezio and Sophia do end up getting married. Uh, they settle down near Florence where they live ha- a happy life with their children, uh, Flavia and Marcello. So Ezio's life is he's retired as an assassin. I think he's the only assassin that we actually get to see retire. And he wouldn't have a lot of exciting events that happen, but he does have a big event that happens, uh, which is the training of uh, Xiao Zhan, which is the a Chinese assassin that comes to him for help in defeating the Templars that are in China. And this is the events of AC Embers, the short film that comes with the Ezio trilogy that you can watch there if you have that. Um, and basically, Ezio basically trains her up and teaches her... While she's like trying to defeat these Templars and learn from him. Uh, this movie does follow Ezio to the end of his life. Uh, so there's, we have some scenes with Sophia and some happy things. And then Ezio takes a trip to Florence with his children and watches them play. And he has a conversation with a young man who very much resembles Ezio when we first meet him. And then he he, he dies on a park bench, basically, in Florence at 65.
2: Sad. Sad moment. Although, I wrote down a quote here that's actually from um, Embers, I think it's the best quote in all of Assassin's Creed. And it's part of a conversation that Etsy was having, we shall, and it says, love binds our order together, love of people, of cultures, of the world, fight to preserve that which inspires hope, and you will win back your people. And I think that encapsulates the assassin brotherhood so well.
0: Yeah, definitely. I really do think that. And there are a lot of, I say a lot that, you know, I have certain assassins that I think really embody the assassin's creed really well. Uh, One of them is Connor. I think Connor really sticks true to what it means to be an assassin. Um, And obviously Bayek and Aya are up there. You can't yeah. re- really get more assassins than them. Um, yeah. But Ezio is up there and a real commitment to the creed. Um, but before we get into kind of like why we love and hate or hate or don't like Ezio, uh, I have some fun facts, some behind the scenes facts, which uh, this is fun. Ezio and Altair's names share similar meanings. Altair, in kind of like the Middle Eastern Arabic languages, means the flying one. And Ezio means eagle, both fitting names for assassins. Um, Ezio is six foot. I did not check to see if this made him the tallest assassin, though I'm pretty sure that Cassandra and uh, Alexios are taller than six feet. Um, is but he that, that tall? That's according to the uh, wiki. He is I six don't know feet. I why, but I've always had it in my head that Ezio is as weak, hey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah see i don't let's see assassins that i think are short well obviously like evie fry is shorter but she's not like below average you know for some reason i feel like shay is short yeah he's not really an assassin though i guess um mm-hmm. and my last fun fact uh darby uh Darby McDevitt, who is the lead writer of Assassin's Creed Revelation and is a big writer across Assassin's Creed, across all the board, states that Ezio did father other children outside of Sophia. And it was one of these illegitimate childrens that would be the ancestry of Clay Kazimerick.
1: So I have a mm. follow up question to that. Uh huh. So I don't, does he give you details about whether or not those children that he fathered outside of his relationship with sophia occurred during his relationship with her or is it before
0: from what i read the quote it was like during his time as a basically darby mcdevitt is basically like there's no way that Ezio didn't father other children
1: right i just didn't like i didn't want us to imply that he meant right. that Ezio was a cheater
0: right no <laughs> Ezio might be a playboy, but once he commits, he commits. Yeah, Uh,
1: I agree with that.
0: But another thing about this is I think this implies that Desmond's line is directly from Ezio and Sophia's relationship, whereas Clay's was not. But I mean, it's so far back that who knows. So our last question for like this character deep dive is like, why do you love or not like Ezio? What what do you what are your favorite things about him? Do you think he's a compelling character? All these kind of questions. Or just general thoughts about Ezio.
2: I like Ezio. So I really do. I still think he's the most overrated thing about Assassin's Creed, but <laughs> and I'm not a lot of people are gonna hate me for that one, but it's just He's been the poster boy the whole time, but there's so many other great assassins, and they need their time to shine. <laughs> but no, I really like it. So he's—it's the only guy we've seen from birth to death mm. for all this whole story, and I mean, it was really great.
1: I don't disagree with you that he is like the most hyped assassin. Um, But I think, I think the reason why is because we see so much of him. Like you're right. We see him from birth to death. And not only that, like he has, great character development following him from the beginning of Assassin's Creed two, all the way to his death. Like you see him as a person, as a human being who's grown and changed and, you know, had a life of mistakes and adventures and great things and hard things. And, and he almost feels like a real person because we know so much about him because we've seen him develop because of just everything we've seen. And I think some of the other assassins, we absolutely don't get that much information. And I think, Going back to Connor, you know, he really has only gotten half a game. Um, I don't feel like Connor has been given as much as he should be. Like we we should have more development from all the assassins, not just Ezio. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, definitely. But I mean Ezio is like he's a poster child for a reason because a lot of people connected with him for whatever reasons. So I mean, that says it all really.
0: There was a video once talking about, like, who are the deadliest assassins. Yeah. And in my own list, I actually rank Ezio pretty low. For me, the deadliest assassins are a tie between Connor and Bayek. Uh, Yeah. Just because I think that not only do they have the element of surprise and training and stealth like that, but they can hold their own in if they're out of that element. Whereas I feel like once you get Ezio out of the method of surprise, he's squishy. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um,
0: and so I just think that I think that he is a little bit overhyped. I do really love him. I think he's hilarious. Uh, I think he's, I think that Ubisoft has not quite captured his level of charm in a protagonist since Ezio. Um, they have tried with Jacob Fry, with Arno, with Edward. They have tried to kind of capture that charisma, but they're just I don't think that because yeah, it's they, been so long, they won't do it. They won't ever be the same.
2: Yeah, I really noticed it with Arno. They tried to mm-hmm. push the like kind of cheeky cracking jokes here and there, type guy. But I liked it. I thought I mean Like I said before, everyone likes him for a reason, so Mm -hmm. that's why they've tried to recreate characters in that image. But I don't think they'll ever be able to recapture that. I think they should just keep pushing on and making new assassins and giving us new stories. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. So that's really all we got for Ezio. Uh Chris, thank you for being on the show. Uh, we enjoy having you, and thanks for your insight. Uh, if you want to take a moment, just kind of plug the things you do with Scholars of the Creed and all of that.
2: Uh, yeah, well, at Scholars of the Creed, we're basically, basically a fan group, and our plan is to put out information about History, art, science, these types of things, man, that are in the Assassin's Creed universe. I mean, you can find us on Twitter right now, just at Creed Scholars, and we just made an Instagram today, actually, at the same name. And keep a lookout, because our website will be coming back rebuilt with all our new articles on it very soon.
0: Oh, awesome. Well, again... Thank you for being here. And Shelby, I think that's all we got.
1: I think so. Yeah. Thank you so much, Chris. This has been a really awesome episode. I'm glad you got to join us. Um, We may have to ask you back in a future episode, but um, we had a blast. So thank you all for listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. We will see you next time.
0: Thanks for listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. You can find us on Twitter at Assassin's Creed Lorecast, or you could talk to us on Discord in the Robots Radio Discord or our personal Discord server. Both links found in this episode's descriptions. Thank you for listening, and always stay to the shadows to serve the light, assassins. So come and listen on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And always remember...
2: Swooping.